Hello, and welcome to the Negative World Podcast, a podcast about video games by Nintendo fans and NegativeWorld.org. This is episode 83, and we're recording this on Friday, August 28th, 2015. I'm your host, Steven, or as I know on the boards, Dr. Finkelstein. And with me, it's my co-host, Joe, Ninsage. How's it going, buddy? Going well. Hello, Steven. It's been a little while. It has been. Um, we've had an absence from the podcast releases, but this also has been an absence of recordings and an absence of just even talking to you. Um, no, we're not going through a bitter, uh, a bitter feud or anything that um, is going to culminate in an awesome epic show later on where we become friends again. Uh, we're not going to instill this show with drama like that, but I've just... Fun, though. Could be entertaining. It'd be like uh, some sort of like wrestling-type kind of drama, you know? Um, podcast style, though. Right. I but, was hoping uh, for more of a Ryu-Ken-style rivalry, but wrestling's fine. I don't know what that's about, because I don't even have um, Ryu as a uh, character in Smash right now. I haven't, even, I haven't bought any of the DLC. Hmm. Is that ridiculous? Interesting. But that's because of Splatoon, and we'll get to that later. Um, okay. But... Uh, yeah, no, I've just been super busy with life, and I know that, like, I've said that before, but it's, every time before it has been understated, <laughs> apparently, mm-hmm. because there's just so much going on, and we, you know, you and I have talked about it, just things have changed in my life, uh, you know, You're now, a squid now. I'm, a, I'm a squid now, absolutely, uh, but just, you know, adult, um, growing up, doing things that people have to do as they get older, and take responsibilities and stuff, so... Ugh. It's been crazy, and then of course, right I after hate those things. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and then too, to make things worse, uh, as far as timing, um, right after we released our third and final E3 episode, which I hope everyone really enjoyed those because we had a lot of fun making them. Um, right after that, I had gone on a like ten day vacation, which was great, but then I came back to you know uh, all the uh, big boy stuff that I had to take care of, and that's continuing on. So this episode actually is going to be relatively short, and I know I've said that before. But it always works out. <laughs> literally, work. literally. I mean, there's there's almost things in place to ensure that this happens. But um, yeah. So, uh, I I apologize if I get a little distracted. Um, a pony eats carrots is here, and she is currently playing Splatoon, and I'll tell a funny story about that later. But uh, it's somewhat distracting. But um, I will just turn my my face away from the TV. And, oh, to my Oktoberfest, Sam Adams. I, I don't mind if I do. But, uh, okay, so, anyway, enough of the, the, the babble. Let's get back into it. Let's get to the content that everybody wants, right? Um, totally. So, so we we have a small lineup of just some various topics uh, that we're going to talk about. Really assorted stuff. A little bit of now playing, but, you know, this isn't going to be a normal style episode, and that's okay. It's going to just be us bullshitting, so. And everyone's tuned off now. <laughs> now everyone knows that when I hit babble stop on iTunes. Yeah. Hit delete. Hit unsubscribe. Yep. Unsubscribe. Yeah. Don't do that by the way. In <laughs> fact, you know the easiest way to unsubscribe from a podcast? Give it a five star rating and just let it sit. That's true. Really? That's actually in in the terms of service and that really thing long thing that no one reads, it says that. Like five times. So Interesting. So I don't do like that. I mean, this is a whole tangent that we won't go down, but like I don't like how iTunes makes all these decisions for me. Like, it just stopped updating a lot of my podcasts. Um, and it was just because I hadn't listened to some of them in a while. Right, and well, I thought these podcasts were on, like, summer-long hiatus. It's just just because iTunes just decided to stop updating them. Not cool. 
Yeah, it does that to me too. And uh, like at work, because I kind of go through periods where I listen to a podcast and keep up with it, and then other times I'm YouTubing uh, 8-bit soundtracks and stuff like that. And yeah, so then you got to go through the whole process of downloading them anyway. I guess it's to protect your hard drive from being too full or something. But it's possible, yeah. Um, if it's our podcast, it can't be too full. Yeah. And I kind of set myself up for a joke about how we don't release content that often. But still, um, mm-hmm. I just mean that you can't have enough of us. Or so I think. But anyway, so let's get to the first of, I guess I've got five bullet points here. And um, the first thing I want to talk about is, again, since we haven't really talked in a while, you and like a few other people from the forums went to yeah. do video game pub trivia. We know it here yeah. in Michigan as Quizzo, but uh, you know, in New York, and I think it was around the country that there was a bunch of different areas doing it, and you just happened to be near one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was... Not Nintendo-specific, but it was video game-specific with probably some sort of Nintendo focus at times. And it sounded super cool, so please tell me and the audience about it and tell us how it went, because you were one of X amount of teams who did it. So, Right, yeah. So it's this organization that I guess is called Geeks Who Drink, and they yeah they do a bunch of um, just sort of like nerd-related trivia nights, so they're not always video games and they're not always Nintendo. Um, and they do them, I guess they do them all over the country and they, they do them fairly frequently, even around here. But, uh, this one was Nintendo focused and I guess it was the first one they've done like this, at least in this area. So, so, it was so actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes it even sound cooler. Oh my God. Yeah. It was really cool. Um, so I hadn't heard about it. I actually got a, a strange voicemail from uh mr mustache rob had called me up uh maybe like a month ago and just said that he had heard about this thing and uh thought that between myself uh him and old man from zelda lou that we would uh that we would surely win so he wanted to get us signed up for it and i was like you know i was like ah you know i got a lot going on and in my mind i'm like we're we're definitely not going to win because no matter how good you are at these things, I just feel like there's always some, some team, some group of, you know, people whose uncle actually did work for Nintendo that, you know, would actually know every answer and that sort of thing. So, my, so but I was like, yeah, I was just going to, in my experience uh, with Quizzo, um, there is always that team of just these people who, you know, there's one guy who's like 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, and they just have every decade, you know, like nailed right. down. But right. with Nintendo, you're kind of limited in those kind of uh, things. So uh, that I think that would make it more fun for me. I guess I'd have a better chance myself, but uh, I think that would give you a good chance as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, given our ages, which is all like uh, mid-early 30s, um, I actually think we had a an advantage because a lot of most of the other groups I would say were were probably uh, you know mid or early twenties. There were some that you know like one or two that looked older than us, and some that were similar to us. But a lot you know it, it trended younger, um, which also made sense because it's the place it was located at was at this kind of pub that's right near um, an institute of technology in the area. Which was another reason why I thought we would get crushed, because I thought that that would be like a whole other level of geek that, you know, would, would just outclass us in terms of their depth of knowledge. But, um, so there are 14 teams, and it's the typical format for like a pub 
trivia night where you know you basically just got like a, a sheet to write down your answers and the uh the host would read off the questions and then you'd write them down and submit them and whatever but this was actually really really big in scale there was i believe there was 64 questions so there was like eight rounds of eight which was gigantic like in, in the past I've i've done other trivia things where i think there was only like 20 questions throughout the whole night but um and the format like in terms of the the type of questions it didn't vary too much there was one round that was purely visual where we actually got a sheet that had um screen screen grabs from like 8-bit games and you just had to identify the game and some of them were kind of corrupted like some of them were a little bit messed up um, but you just had to identify the games. One round was purely audio where they played songs and you had to say what game the song was from. Um, and one round was multiple choice, which was so weird because that round had by far the easiest questions and yet they made them multiple choice. So that was a mystery. But, um, I mean, that was just to make sure that it was, because it was already going to be easy, yeah. that they just thought, hey, let's just make this kind of an easy catch up. Well, I guess everyone's going to get them, though. You're not really catching up anything. Well, I had wondered if maybe there would be some questions. You know, you always want questions that are going to make everyone feel good. Like, you're never going to want to just completely stump everybody in the room, and then they everyone goes home frustrated, you know? So, yeah. But, like, just as an example, one of the questions was, uh, in The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, Link is transformed into A, a wolf, or B, a bear. That was the question. <laughs> Wait, so like, multiple choice with two options? Yes. Give me yes. four at least. Make it that challenging. Come I'm on. I'm not even sure any of them had four options. I think one of them might have had three, and that was it. So, yeah, we were all really puzzled as to why that round in particular was multiple choice. But anyway, that wasn't That's even the first round. Choice. It was like the third round. That's like, so. hmm. So we were doing our thing, and, you know, for the most part, it was, I mean, it was really, really fun, actually. I, I wasn't sure how it would go, but it was really, really fun because, you know, there were questions for the most part that we had, like, an educated guess, you know, between the five of us. So it actually wound up being uh, myself, Rob, Rob's wife, my wife, and then Lou. Mm-hmm. So uh, between the five of us, we were always kind of like, you know, someone had like an educated guess and it would bounce off of someone else that would have something else to add to it. They'd say, you know, like, oh, wait, what about this? You know, um, and then we would come up with an answer that the table felt confident about. Um, and just, I don't know, just just going back and forth like that and just kind of like comparing notes on on topics that that we were interested in. And I don't know, it was just it was really, really enjoyable. It was a really good time. Did you feel um, like you guys had a good um kind of spread as far as like, you know, I know, you know, Rob, he probably, I feel like he might have a good understanding of like the N64 era and console stuff. And then, you know, maybe someone else, you know, has a good handheld experience or Super Nintendo, you know, knowledge or that sort of thing. Was it spread out? Well, I I would say it, it was, I would say that the division was not that even, but everyone definitely brought something unique Mm -hmm. to, to the table. So Rob was actually, Rob was actually like the the driving force behind the team's knowledge because he, I would say, contributed by far the most answers and the most correct answers. He, he often shouted it out, and then you guys kind of concurred <laughs> and thought about it. 
Um, I don't know. There was a lot that I didn't know, quite frankly. Uh, I'll get to my role in a minute, but I didn't really contribute a ton outside of that role. But um, So Rob really provided the foundation across everything. And then there were several moments where Rob didn't know, and then Lou kind of pulled something out of left field, like, there was one there was one or two where like no one had any idea and Lou was just like I think it's this and it turned out to be correct you know mm-hmm. there was one he identified a metroid uh audio track which in hindsight should have been easy but he was the only one who was like no this is the original metroid I thought it was super metroid that was foolish sure. um <laughs> and there was another game where I forget what the clue was but he was just like I think it's earthbound I have a good feeling about earthbound and the rest of us were like, we have no friggin' clue. So we put down Earthbound, and he was right. So, uh, and for me, it was pretty. I was pretty much just there to answer Pokemon questions because there was a good amount of Pokemon questions, and pretty much no one else at the table had too much of an idea uh, about that. And so it was nice, you know. They would they would ask this ridiculous sounding Pokemon question. I would offer a ridiculous answer and everyone at the table would just be like okay yeah sounds good <laughs> um except there was one i think the hardest question of the whole night was you had to answer which were the two poison slash grass types from the original game like final evolution okay i almost want to answer this myself oh um, okay just cause i'm curious so they were uh, so there was two final evolutions. Oh, was it Nato King? No, no. Wait, grass two, grass and poison. Grass slash poison, and the only stipulation was it was not a starter. So there's a starter who gets that typing, but that's not what they were. Yeah, looking. that was Bulbasaur through all that stuff, right. right? Um, I don't know if it was. It wasn't Nato King and Nato Queen, was it? Nope. Okay. Um, it wasn't Ekans, or well, I guess the final evolution was um. <sighs> Uh what was Ekans uh evolution? Arbok. Arbok, yeah. It wasn't was it Arbok? Was that one of them? Nope. Those are poison. Those are just poison. poison. Um mm. Okay, well I don't want to eat up the whole podcast guessing it. <laughs> but I really wish I could have been there, that's why I'm kind of engaged in this. Right. Can you give me a hint for a half? Um I mean what they're each version specific. That was the other thing. You had to say which game they were from. One from oh, red, one from blue. Um I don't know as far as a hint. I mean, they're they're all they all kind of look like plants. They both look like plants. Right, right. Well, I mean, oh, maybe like Victorbell was one of them. There you go. There you and go. And that was from, I'm gonna say, oh, well, the other one would have been um, uh, Gloom's evolution. Then you're right. Um, yep. Let's see. It's Gloom. It's oh shit. I can't think of the evolution. What's the evolution for Gloom? Vileplume. Vileplume. Thank you. So Vileplume. Yeah. Okay, uh, Victor Bell. Oh, with the V's too. Venom V. Um, but I'm gonna say that the Victor Bell was blue. Correct. All right. See, nice. I would have helped out at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it was so it was so good because I was I was struggling a little bit. Um, and actually, I only I came up with Victory Bell pretty early on. The only reason I knew that, the only reason at all, is because I had just. At the end of this last school year, one of my students who was always like, you got to battle me at Pokemon. <laughs> Finally, at the end of, end of the year, I was like, all right, you're going to graduate. You know, it's not weird. We'll play like after the semester ends. It's like a JD Dr. Cox thing. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> the mentor. And now you're finally giving him the respect he deserves and playing him in Pokemon. Precisely. 
So we played and we decided to trade also. And we each had some spare shinies. So he traded me the only spare shiny he had, which was a victory bell. So, and I had never, I always, I, Rob even quoted me on this. I've always thought victory bell was like a stupid looking Pokemon <laughs> just because, I don't know, it's kind of a mess. But, sure. So I only knew because of that, that was a poison slash grass, and I knew it was from Gen 1, so I suggested that one. And then I forget what other thing I threw out there, but that was not right. I didn't feel great about it. Rob didn't feel great about it. And he was saying, like, he was like, or I know, I think I might have said Gloom as, like, a final evolution, forgetting about that it, it has one more step. And Rob was like, ah, like, I don't know. And he was trying to think. He's like, let's keep thinking. Let's keep thinking. And and I, eventually, I think he threw out, like, doesn't it evolve into Vileplume or something? I was like, yeah, that sounds right. And then, but I would have had no idea which game was which, because I never played Red and Blue. I didn't play the Gen 1 games. But Rob had, he played one of them. And so he kind of, process of elimination, said, well, then the other one must be in the other game, because he, you know, didn't remember using it or something. So that's how we arrived at that. And, you know, amazingly enough, that one question wound up being the difference. I mean, everything... You know, we won by, I think it was two points or four points or something like that. But, uh, so yeah, we did win. Very good. Congrats. That's enough, man. It's crazy. I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, when they were rattling off like the top teams, you know, they went through all 14 teams and, you know, they, they were going up towards one and they still hadn't set us. And we started looking around. Rob actually stood up because he, he was getting so intense. I can imagine it being uh, like a movie where like, you know, there's just this music playing and just like, is it us? Right, yeah. like slow totally. motion action and everything. Yeah, completely. And um, you know, the te- we had been in like fourth place after the first round, or after the first couple rounds, and then like third place midway through, or something like that. And then it wasn't until this last final tally that we moved into first. So, uh, and the team we beat that came in second, they actually, uh, Nikki actually saw that they had seven people. You're only supposed to have a max of six. Cheaters. So they had seven people for like half the game it until was Team Rocket. Pretty much. Was it a so anyway for the seventh? <laughs> yeah, just about. Actually, one of them had a really cool homemade Proto Man helmet, which was kind of neat. But um, but anyway, <laughs> so that was that was the evening. It was it was a ton of fun. Everyone contributed a little something. And uh, we wound up pulling home the victory, which was which was just crazy. And our team name referenced Negative World. Nice. So, actually, the negative it was, ninnies. It was negativeworld.org presents Wii U. I look just like Buddy Holly. <laughs> so, is that kind of a play off of uh, Bitcher Runner 2's long name? I don't know. Cause no, there was that... there was a name that was longer than ours. Actually, one of them was. Uh, your quiz master has been kidnapped by ninjas. Are you a bad enough dude to rescue him or something like that? Oh, man. I would eat this shit up. This is totally like my yeah. essence right here. Oh, it was so good. I mean, the vibe in the room was really, really good. Uh, although no one really applauded after we were named the winners. But that's okay. <laughs> I think heads. that's kind of par for the course. <laughs> but uh, man, but it really was just... I'm no voice so chat fun. during that. You know, I mean, it just would have been nothing but hate speech. Seriously. So, so that was it. You know, me, Amy and I had done some cramming the couple days before we were studying Hyrule Historia and Pokemon gym leaders and stuff, and nothing we studied came up at all. 
So well, Nintendo's so huge that like, oh, no. I mean, in one night you just can't expect anything. Yeah, and we also didn't know if there would be questions about if it would be limited to just what was in the games, or if it would also be trivia surrounding the games. You know, like who worked on this project, and you know, yeah, was it buried in the desert with after sales were bad? You know, anything like that. We didn't know, so. But no, it was just focused on on the in-game stuff. So, yeah. okay, well, yeah. So that was it. It was pretty awesome. And hopefully, you know, if they hopefully they'll come back and do it again at some point, and uh, we can try to defend our title. We'll defend you, will. Yeah. And maybe I can drive the five hours to be part of the team. That would be amazing. That would seriously uh, be awesome. That'd be cool. Actually, the Chicago one would be closer, but uh, I don't. I don't know if Zero and the gang did that. Did anything like that? I don't think they did. No, I don't think they were able to make it. There was one other group, um, and I don't know what area. I don't remember if it was the Chicago one or what. But wherever Hint is, do you know how to say that person's screen name? That Hint. sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, wherever they were, they were, they were able to participate well, mm-hmm. but, um, and it was the same questions across the country, which was pretty, hmm. they did them all at the same time. So we were able to come answers and we had like, there was, there was one for, um, basically it was, what is the area that Rosalina lives in during Mario Galaxy? And none of us could really remember. I threw out Cosmic Observatory because it just sounded Oh yeah, right. that's right. Is well, it no, it's not. It's it's Comet Observatory. Ah, okay. We were very close, but the funny thing is, Hemp said that in his group, they came up with the exact same answer. Hmm. So, well, I think there's a song called Cosmic Observatory in the soundtrack. Oh, really? I, I thought it was Cosmic. Maybe it's Comet, though. But... So, yep. So I guess my last question before you know, I guess we move forward... Um, did you have any memorable questions or ones that you were really proud of getting right that you haven't already mentioned or any questions that were ridiculous for some reason? Um, you know, the one I was most proud of was the Pokemon one, like I mentioned. The one that was most frustrating was the Cosmic Observatory one that I just mentioned. Uh, um, I'm trying to think if there was any other ones... I mean, I can't remember them off the top of my head. There was definitely... I mean, all night we only missed, I think, five questions or something like that. Hmm. Um, and there was there was definitely some that were just like, uh, really, like that seems a bit, you know, a bit too difficult. But um, no, none, none of the others that are really standing out at the moment. Hmm. Okay. Lou was clutch on that Earthbound one. I'll say that again. Yeah. Well, very cool, man. Very cool experience. I was excited to hear that you were going to do it, and excited yeah. to hear that uh, that you won. That's a, yeah, quite an I honor. couldn't believe it. That you, was crazy. You've done negative rolled very well. You win the team. Oh, yeah, so. that was the whole idea. So, so yeah. Okay. Well, um, I guess let's move forward to keep this podcast rolling. Um, I wanted to mention a couple things, and they're not nearly as cool or at least as descriptive as what you were just talking about. But um, I made a, well, I didn't make a, well, okay. I made a cool purchase recently, and I also got a cool gift that's gaming-related, and I wanted to share 
the fact that this stuff exists and just kind of bring up the general discussion, but it, it involves game soundtracks. And, okay. uh, you know, I forgot who it was. Oh, I wish I could quote them now and not feel like an ass, but maybe it was Carlos Rocks, I think, who was talking about the Splatoon soundtrack, maybe? Because I think they're going to release the Splatoon soundtrack in uh, Japan, and as a, I think as an actual CD set. And so we were talking about how, you know, why the heck doesn't every soundtrack come out, at least in digital form, you know, because it's, it's already made. There's no real money to lose except for just putting it up, and that doesn't take much effort, really. So, you know, why don't they do this? Why is it always so much harder to actually get true soundtracks from, from games? And usually people end up ripping it and getting it for free, but people might pay for it if they actually had it legitimately accessible. So uh, it was just funny he brought that up because that the Splatoon soundtrack is really really cool and fun and everything. But I uh, was hanging out with my cousin, and he he and I we usually go to the bar uh, once a week, our favorite bar or whatever. And um, so and I usually meet at his house, then we drive together or whatever. So he wanted me to come inside for a sec after we were done this this one evening and he said he had something for me and we go in and he gives me this box and it's shaped kind of like a vinyl and but i you know i mean he's a big vinyl record guy and i'm only kind of into it a little bit i don't really have the spare money uh because of amiibos um to spend on vinyls but uh i still have a small collection of like my absolute favorite stuff and he gives me um he had told me about this before but I didn't end up, either I forgot about it or I just didn't get a chance to go on the website that day because it was available at Hot Topic for a very short time, um, of all places. But it was a, it, he he bought me a Mega Man vinyl of just various Mega Man music. It was like a collection from uh, games one through nine in vinyl form. That sounds amazing. Which is pretty cool. And I played it on, on the record player a little bit and it sounds really good. And I mean, it's not going to sound... Like the analog aspect of it is is funny because there's no real analog recordings of it, you know. True. But uh, but it was very cool and it's definitely something I would play in my house, um, you know, for the hell of it. So I was very stoked that he got me that, and I'm sure it wasn't cheap considering the aftermarket, which is how he got it, was probably ridiculous. But um, I bring that up because it, vinyls and game vinyls, I think, are a cool way to celebrate gaming music. It's I mean, maybe for some it's not, but I just think it's kind of a neat mix of uh, some fun hobbies. And he then also, just like a few weeks ago, told me about an upcoming pre-order for a Banjo-Kazooie soundtrack on vinyl. And I totally nabbed the hell out of that pre-order, man. So that is on its way maybe in a month or two, I think, sometime this fall. But I actually was like there right at the moment that it was available for pre-order, and I refreshed, and I went for it, and... Then everyone was having issues, and Twitter was crazy and, and pissed off about it. We were all, It was like Amiibo all, get, all over again, because we were all complaining about how, already it's sold out, it's been 30 seconds, what the hell? But I had a feeling, after going through the Amiibo fiascos, that this was actually the site having some issues, and it was glitching out. I was like, uh, I'm going to sit here for a few more minutes and keep refreshing and try it. Then suddenly okay. I refresh, and oh, it lets me get to, the, to a different page, and it's not working. It reminded me of when I was at GameStop getting the Wave 4 Amiibo, and, uh, and how crazy that was. So finally... Uh, I get it to get to the final page, and I end up paying, and it works. So I totally awesome. nabbed it. And like there are people complaining and who had given up, and I was like, dude, like go, everybody go. But uh, So it was sweet. So I'm going to have one of my favorite games of all time, which is definitely Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, I'm going to have that soundtrack on vinyl, the entire thing. It's going to be epic. So awesome. it's like I think it's a two-vinyl set. 
one's got like one's brown and has like a blue trim and the other one's like red with a gold trim to represent the two characters and stuff like that and they're both double-sided so it's super super cool and the Mega Man one's totally blue of course and um has some cool Mega Man art in the center so yeah uh actually no this I think the print is vinyl. all over hmm? have like a picture of a real bear a real bird yep yep you're looking at it it's yeah. some artist did did the artwork for it. but yeah it's it's just an actual bear photoshopped with an actual bird and then mm-hmm. um in the in the pose of a banjo but what's cool though is that not only was that on pre-order but at the same time the very minute two other pre-orders hit i didn't try to go for them because i just didn't care as much but the battletoad soundtrack i'm looking at that yeah that the disc itself looks amazing uh-huh it's and all- i mean Secret of the Ooze looking. That's a good soundtrack, but I, you know, I just didn't have the uh, the connection to the game. And then Perfect Dark, another great soundtrack by Grant Kirkhope of all people. You know, we've talked about him before, um, but I, I didn't go for that either. I just my focus was Banjo Kazooie first, and then again for the cost, I didn't really want to justify two in the same moment. But uh, it was pretty cool that Rare uh, released three vinyls like that for the hell of it. Yeah, and I really Rare wish... is like raging back. Yeah, but on the retro circuit. Yeah. You know, it would be nice to see them perhaps have some more new content. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that maybe there, I mean, maybe there's not that much money in, in game vinyls, but I think that for small runs, I think Nintendo and other companies should continue doing that stuff and considering that stuff. And at the very least, releasing the albums themselves in digital form. What yeah. does it hurt, you know? But maybe, maybe, maybe because people do just pirate the hell out of it. Typically, it just doesn't seem worth it to them. I don't know. I don't know. Not sure. If you could legitimately get a, a digital album of a game, or even a vinyl, if you were into vinyl, was there a game that you would definitely want like, off the top of your head? Like, what soundtrack would you want in your collection? Uh, uh, the ones that uh, the ones that come to mind, obviously, and two. I think I've mm-hmm. said before that's just about my top video game soundtrack but also um like kirby's adventure comes to mind i love that soundtrack as well it's a good one that'd be a nice pink vinyl with uh i do have a pink vinyl oh, actually yeah. most city soundtrack but it uh and it would be a vinyl that would float in there could be that light right i think for me the one that comes to mind right now is chrono trigger oh okay that's such an amazing soundtrack absolutely on that note, we got to do Euphonic again real soon. <laughs> All right. I uh, I think I think fans out there uh, have been missing it. We haven't done one since like 2013. We we had like a bunch of episodes that year, but um, we should we should get back into that. Anyway, been a while. It has, but I I love celebrating game music. Sure. But anyway, so let's move on uh, to topic numero three, and that uh, was just the the news that hit recently. And people suspected this a few weeks back because Yacht Club Games said that for Nintendo, for this DLC that they're doing, they were doing something different. Because for the PlayStation, I think uh, God of War, some character from that game is a boss in the in the uh, PlayStation version of the Shovel Knight DLC. And for the Microsoft version, it's the Battletoads who show up. Hey. Which is cool. And I was like, well, what the hell are you going to do for Nintendo? It's going to be something Nintendo-focused, of course, to go with the theme here. But they got to do something special, and it turns out it's an amiibo. Yep. So the first, crazy. Yeah, the first third-party amiibo, and I don't have too much information in front of me on it, and people can of course read about it anyway. But 
it's pretty exciting. It's not the most exciting pose, per se. I mean, not that I'm going to nitpick it. And it does look a little less detailed than other amiibos have. But maybe that's just because of the character. The character's not too defined from a detail standpoint because he's only been in one game and uh, besides cameos. But he has a very simple design. Um, but, you know, it makes me wonder his pose. Is that also maybe something Smash Brothers related? You know, will he show up as a character in Smash Brothers? But he's not a Smash Brothers amiibo, so really that kind of doesn't give any credence to that. There was some Yeah, what kind of... Don't we kind of know based on the, the base of the amiibo, like what game it mm-hmm. sort of references? So what does this base tell us? It is, I believe, purple with a gold border. Oh. And uh, those are just some colors from Shovel Knight. So... It's its own thing, and I think it's been announced as its own thing. It's even made in other facilities that aren't, or at least a other facility that isn't typical for Amiibo production. So it's kind of it sounds like it's something that Yacht Club Games said, hey, Nintendo, we'd like to do this, and we want to add some game functionality to it and link it up and do the whole thing like you do. And uh, how do we do this, or how do we handle this? And, and they pretty much told them. And it was up to them to probably fund it and develop it and do all that stuff as long as they... And if it was up to Snuff, then they would uh, allow them to call it an Amiibo and all that stuff. Uh, pardon the outside noise if you heard that. But So it sounds like it's, it's very non-Nintendo uh, controlled, which is actually kind of neat. It opens the door for more companies to do Amiibos, which, right. um, again, I know there's the whole debate we could get into about the content lack behind them. In this case, I know one of the things, it unlocks a co-op mode in, I guess, the main game or something. It has some other functionality that I don't recall, because I'm horrible at preparation today. But, uh, you know, we can get into that debate, but I'm just psyched to see the fact that I can get a Shovel Knight character in a mm-hmm. figurine form, which has always been the priority one for these Amiibo for me at all. It's just having yeah. my favorite characters and all these cool Nintendo relics embodied in this plastic uh highly detailed figurine so people are super duper excited about this one yeah um did you see the uh the sort of uh inaccurate leak from a week or two ago where there was a a picture emerged of a shovel knight amiibo but it turned out to be it was it was fake someone had just kind of photoshopped it from some, I think it was like a fan-made 3D render of Shovel Knight or something. Mm. And Yacht Club Games commented saying like, uh, you know, something like, nope, that's that's not real. Uh, <laughs> and they didn't hint at anything more than that, but you didn't see that? No. Yeah, it was like a week or two before the actual uh, real announcement was made. Um, it's kind of interesting. Huh. Well, maybe that Rayman amiibo and character is not too far along then. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, needless to say, I'm I'm picking it up. Uh, game.co.uk actually had pre-orders for it last night, and without realizing the exchange rate and how much I'd be paying, I totally pre-ordered it, and it's like thirty bucks U.S. So okay. when they canceled it on me this morning, I guess I didn't. I was I wasn't too upset about it. And then right before we started recording. Amazon UK had pre-orders up, so I instantly locked mine in there. But I'll see, it's coming out around the same time across the world, and, and Yacht Club Games has already said that there's going to be plenty of stock. So I'm going to try to get it in America and maybe cancel my UK pre-order if I can. 
which they don't really want to pay, I think it's 26 bucks then, with the exchange rate and everything, and shipping and all that. So I'd like to get it for cheaper, because it is supposed to be $13. Mm-hmm. And with everything going on in my life, uh, extra money on Amiibos is not really the smartest move. But Would this tell us anything if uh, the stock really is very plentiful for this? Like, that, that the, the third party would be doing something that Nintendo is not. It could. They definitely had the time the past year to see how problematic it can be if you don't have the right stock. But at the same time, Nintendo has been doing better with that. The That's three, good. the three pack, the retro three pack that was just pre-orderable, which has Duck Hunt, Rob, Rob, and uh, who was the last one? Game and Watch, Mr. Game and Watch. Those three, that, that trifecta, went on sale at GameStops, and there's a whole thing with that I won't get into now. But um, a few days later, they actually released them on their website for pre-order, and I nabbed it right away. I was able to get it, and actually Hero of Hyrule had helped me with a physical pre-order, and I sent him a PM about it, because uh, obviously I don't technically need that anymore. And if I have to, I'll pay for the 5 bucks and cover it, or if you can't get it back. Of course, I'm not going to stiff them, but I really appreciate it, because I wasn't able to get out at the time to go in line and everything. I'm very far from a GameStop as it is, and it was a busy weekend. But um, So when I was able to get it on the website, I definitely took the advantage because I'm going to have to get it shipped to me anyway and pay all that. But the thing is, it stayed up for like three days, yeah, which is insane. For a three-pack as well, how many Amiibo were they making? The thing is, though, Nintendo, I think, is they've been staggering the releases, so they're not really releasing at the same time in, in each region anymore. And I think that's because they're upping production and they're staggering production, so we, each area gets their own focus. It's not just like, here's all the links in the world, go for it. Right. Now it's, you know, here's your links, and or, you know, your duck hunts, and then, you know, we know that we'll get ours on the line. Plus, there's been plenty of restocks. Like, just today, my phone blew up because I was getting uh, tweet texts that, like, Rosalina and Marth and We Fit Trainer were all available for purchase on Target.com. And those are all relatively rare ones. So... The only thing I don't like about that is that they don't. We don't know when they're really going to hit, so I don't like the fact that if I was waiting on one, you know, because I missed it two generations ago or whatever, um, I have to be waiting again or it's going to go away. But they still tend to be, you know, out there longer because most people have them, that kind of thing. So that's it's pretty great actually. The amiibo situation is not as bad as it was when I had my rant or two rants or whatever it was, uh, and I got to learn to stop jumping at the early pre-orderables from across the globe, which cost me extra money and shipping and exchange rates and stuff, and just kind of wait it out and be patient and know that I'll be able to get one eventually. And hell, I might even have to import eventually, but it shouldn't be any more than I pay now. You know, So I might be screwing myself by doing the pre-orders from the UK. And the UK, actually, because of the uh, the British pound, is really, really not a good plan. It's better for me to go from uh, Amazon Germany, is what I've been doing a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, because the euro is much closer to the dollar. So, fun fact for all you importers out there. Uh, apparently, there's a lot of action going on at Amazon France, but I just haven't taken the time to look into the exchange rate there or do any of that. I'm already signed up with enough foreign websites. So, but anyway, back to the Shovel Knight thing. I'm very excited. I love Shovel Knight. I can't wait for the DLC to hit. I've been waiting for that for a while. I know we did a little segment on that in the past. And I think they're done with it now, so it's just a matter of releasing it 
and I just hope they're not waiting till this amiibo hits because I think it's like Black Friday amiibo. So I don't want to wait till November for that, but I don't know if they've actually announced the date for the DLC. But uh, yeah. but still, so third-party amiibos would be really cool to see as well to keep keep them coming. Um, your mileage may vary content-wise, but this one will act exactly like an amiibo though. So if I go play Hyrule Warriors and I tap it, it's gonna give me an item just like any other amiibo would. Uh, it'd be cool if they went back and like Mario Kart made a Shovel Knight amiibo costume. That'd yeah. be pretty cool. Or uh, you know if they had a Mario Maker Shovel Knight uh, character because you know how there's the skins in that game. Oh yeah. So maybe that's one of them. That'd be kind of sweet. And it'd be pretty easy to program that stuff. I mean, that's just a series oh, yeah. of animation frames. So, um, yeah. So, I don't know. I Hopefully, they, this is a continued trend to influx a little bit of cool, uh, just fun into some of these games. Whether or not... To jazz it up with Zatterns, if yeah, you will. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but that, you know, I can go into that deeper, but I will not for the sake of time and sanity. <laughs> so... With that, take a deep breath, and we can get to our fourth and almost final segment. Um, this really shouldn't be too long, despite it's one of our main topics normally, but now playing. I just wanted to hear what you've been playing lately, because it's been like six weeks, if not... Well, yeah, about six weeks probably since we last released an episode, and it's probably been maybe four weeks, maybe f- four to five since we actually really sat down and talked, because yeah. I had my vacation, and then I've been busy as hell since, so... Um, you go first, man. What have you been playing? So the game that uh, Amy and I have been playing, which we haven't been playing a ton of, but it's uh, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse. I think I said we acquired this a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, started playing it probably you know mid July or something like that. And uh, did you play? Well, first of all, did you play this game? I actually really wanted to, but I have not. Okay. I want to find you it own... on no, no. I want to okay. find it on like a good deal. Gotcha. To justify it. And did you ever play Canvas Curse for the DS? No. I also wanted to, but I didn't really. I didn't start really appreciating the franchise as much until after that came out, and it was too hard to find a copy. Gotcha. So I had never played that either. I I always wanted to. I heard great things about it. Um, I still, you know, would plan to pick it up if I ever came across it at a you know, good price and everything. But, um, so we, you know, we played most of the Kirby games and I love most of the Kirby games, uh, started playing this one. And so I guess the, the, the general way that you move Kirby around in this game is, you know, he's basically just like a little ball. He's kind of curled up in a sphere the whole time. And you don't control him, but what you do is you draw on the screen with the stylus and you make this little rope of clay. And wherever the rope of clay goes, that's where you can make Kirby follow sort of like a roller coaster on a track. Isn't he kind of always moving, though, from the start? He's he's... not necessarily. When he's on the rope, he will move. He will automatically move in the direction that you drew it. So he's, he's at a standstill. You draw your first line and then he goes. Pretty much. If he's, if you draw it and it's not connected to him, you can tap him and he'll kind of roll in a, a roll forward and then hopefully he'll get on the track and then move. Um, but you can draw it starting right at him and then, you know, he'll go from there. So 
So that's how you move Kirby around. If you have a second player, which we do, and they can control a Waddle which um, is, you know, like a little Kirby enemy with a spear, and they're not hindered by the same movement mechanics. They can just jump around like a typical platformer and use the B button to stab with the spear. Mm-hmm. So that's what we've got going on. Um, we, at first, well, <laughs> we're having a really hard time with the controls, though, because uh, moving Kirby around in this fashion is just really frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really just difficult to go where you want, when you want. Um, and the game is not... You know, it, it's not really set up like it's not a difficult game. You know, you can take damage and die, and like as long as there's another player in, you just like keep coming back and stuff. And you know, Kirby games are not known for their difficulty anyway. It's not particularly fast paced, but it's also not slow paced enough, I think, to fit with this movement mechanic. Like, it's just really frustrating. Like we're we're trying to move Kirby around the screen. We're trying to get him into the right spots, and it's it's just not very smooth. So you know, I'm interested to hear from the listeners. You know, other people who've played it, if they could comment on the thread associated with this episode, because I want to know like what your experience is like, or if there's some key concept that we're that we're missing because. For the most part, what it, what's happened is Amy's playing as Kirby, and she moves Kirby around through the level because the camera will follow Kirby, and then I'm basically jumping around like crazy as Waddle Dee and kind of doing everything, if that makes sense. Like, I'm running ahead and killing all the enemies and trying to, you know, get through barriers and pick up the collectibles and stuff like that, and Amy's not even really able to contribute very much other than advancing the camera throughout the level. So it almost makes it like worse for the sing- or first player to play in co-op because they have less con- like less contribution. Well, it wouldn't matter because it would just she would have to achieve the same things. It would just be extremely difficult. I mean, I'm not doing anything that she would otherwise be doing somewhat easily. It's that, like, I'm able to do them somewhat easily, and if she tried to do them, it would be extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. And that's not, it has nothing to do with our individual skill levels, because we've switched places, and it's just as difficult for me to play as Kirby, and it's just as easy for her to play as Waddle Dee. So, yeah, I just, the bottom line is, we're just not having fun with it, and that's a real shame, you know, because we really, you know, Amy loves the character. I love the character. I've loved all the games. And it's, you know, it doesn't take that long to get through. Like I said, it's not particularly difficult, but it's just kind of not fun. And so we haven't really been moving through the game very steadily because we're just, just not been looking forward to playing it, really. You've certainly sold me on it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Well, and I hate it almost because I want to enjoy these games, but. I always find a reason, and there's exactly one where maybe I'm not really missing out on this Kirby game that I'm not playing. Yeah, and I I heard good things about it. I think for the most part, people really like it. So, and I know people loved Canvas Curse, and that's why they were so excited to see a game that had similar 
similar mechanics behind it, but um, I don't know if Canvas Curse controlled slightly differently or what, but like maybe like one thing that might make a difference is if like Kirby should almost never be off the rail, you know, like mm-hmm. you should have an infinite amount of of that clay, which you don't, you know, you kind of run out as you draw it and then you have to wait for it to build back up again. And But if you had like an infinite amount and Kirby never got off the track, that would be something. But it's just tough to like get him back on it. And you can't even like if he's on the ground and he's facing the wrong direction, it's really tough to even get him facing the right direction and stuff. So I don't know, but that's what we're playing. And, and really, if, if people can comment and let me know what we might be missing or some concept that might really help us improve our experience with the game, uh, that would be greatly appreciated. All right, well, get on it, Negative World. Yeah, really. So that's what we've been playing. What about you? Okay, mostly Splatoon. Uh, what's great is that, with the exception of maybe this week, Splatoon has been just as exciting for me as it was day one. I mean, yeah, I'm awesome. I'm like level 33, 34 right now. Uh, I'm a high B plus in the ranking, um, in the ranked battle. Um, but I, their whole method of releasing content slowly across the summer has been very rewarding, because by the time you get kind of sick of the new weapons and the new levels, there's another one, and more. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's two uh, new weapons happening in less than two hours from this recording. So. Uh, and I'm excited. And they're always different types. They actually introduced a lot of new stuff er- earlier this month. They had, I believe it was a new level, but it was uh, some new modes called the Rainmaker, which is kind of like capture the flag in a sense, but not exactly, um, involving a Inkzuka type thing. And it can be really hectic. And they added support so we can play with our friends specifically. So we actually, at one point right after this happened, we had a squad of eight negative rollers all playing. And that was exciting, being able to play with just our friends. Problem is that we don't really get along. Uh, not along, but we don't get around to playing together uh, too often. It's yeah. kind of like, a, oh, this is exciting, and now a lot of people have you know, back, gone back to sporadicness. But for me, it's been pretty consistent. It's kind of my mellow, chill-out uh, game as well, except for when I'm having a hard time, because then it actually gets really stressful. But... I'm having a lot of fun with it. I think uh, it's a great game. I think it's one of the best games Nintendo's produced in the last ten years, to be honest with you. And I think it's the response not- has been amazing. I mean, the response kind of matches the level of that statement. Mm-hmm. So it's been a huge hit. Just flat out yep. has. I mean, I've talked about Splatoon on the show before, so I won't go into a lot of the detail. But it's uh, it's quite an enigma, I think. And the fact that it still has me hooked as it did before is pretty impressive. And then, then you've got... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to comment. You know, you were saying about how they are releasing content constantly, you know, keeping it fresh. And what's been interesting for me, just observing the reactions on Twitter, is how, yeah, every, what is it, week or two, how there's this whole new wave of Splatoon excitement because a new map is debuting or a new weapon or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, or even just the... the the blank versus blank contests, you know, seeing the themes has got people excited. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even just, just hearing what the themes are, you know, like the fact that it's, I don't know if it's going on now or if it was the recent, but 
the Decepticons versus Autobots. That's or less than, that's less, just, yeah, less than four hours from now. That's hitting. It's just so, so random and interesting, you know. So I'm not a Transformers fan at all. I've never been into the series ever, but I'm still excited as hell to go support the Autobots in nice. uh, in Splatfest tomorrow. So, um, you know, just to explain what Splatfest is for those who don't know. Every couple of weeks, they've had these Splatfests where it's usually on a Saturday, and it you, you pick a side, and instead of it being every four hours, they rotate two stages, and you just play any mode you want and do whatever, you pick a side, and they have the same three levels all day, which may sound uncool or whatever, but it's not so bad. You don't, you're not going to play all day, you know. Um, it takes quite a while to do everything you can in the uh, to rank up your character and earn the most points for your team anyway. But three, three levels instead of two definitely keeps the rotation a bit more fresh, and it's just uh, really fun. So, you know, they only have team, like in this case, Autobots. Team Autobots will not play Team Autobots ever, except for it'll play the Team Decepticons. And so the score is calculated by one, I don't know the exact math on this, but two factors. One is the popularity vote which gets X amount of points, and then they just reformulated it, so I think this has more weight, but then whoever won the most matches. So even if you know the, the Decepticons gets the most votes as far as like popularity, if the Autobots kick more ass, then we'll win. And then you win an in-game creature called the Sea Snails, and those more or less help you upgrade your gear a little bit, not in a way that makes it broken, but just kind of helps you expand it, and really makes any piece of gear, like a low-level gear, equal to your highest-level gear. And that just allows you to wear the stuff you want to wear, but also have the same slots as everyone else. You know, So it doesn't make you overpowered or anything. It's, it's actually a pretty well-balanced mechanic. And in a sense, it'd be cool if there was more to win, but it's not so much that you feel too bad if you don't win. And that's good, because they don't want to make Slidefest an unfun experience for anyone. Or something where you... Like right now with Pokemon Shuffle, if you don't get in the top X amount of players for their certain contests, then you just don't win something. And uh, that's not fun for anyone. So um, this is the kind of moment where everyone gets a trophy. <laughs> Yours is just isn't as nice as the others or something. But right. um, I, I, I should go back and say, you can actually play against your own team. So I will, I might see the Autobots against the Autobots if that, that vote's popular enough. And that's only because there just may not be that many teams playing for the other side, you know, it's hard to manage that. So you might occasionally play your own team, but in that case, the wins won't win, you know, they won't count and the losses won't count. So, um, so it just allows you to, to level up your characters more. And you actually do get a special Splatfest t-shirt that you can wear on your character. And I think you have to wear it actually during Splatfest, but you actually lose it later. So it's, it kind of forces yeah. people to, to get it and level up. And you probably, I don't even know if you can change the attributes. So it kind of makes people randomize a little bit and not just have their best gear on every time. Mm-hmm. And it kind of makes you adapt. And uh, it's pretty cool. Splatoon is great. I already told uh, Opponent's Carrots that tomorrow morning I'm just going to be playing this pretty heavily just to kind of get as much of it out of the way as I can. And then we'll start our day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I definitely. No, I've heard some people. You know, say they wish that the T-shirts would stick around after those events. Is that are you also of that opinion, or do you see sort of the reasoning behind them going away? No, there's no reason for them to leave. Yeah, yeah I don't get it. Um, 
I can see why they would... It's it's kind of a neat mechanic, I guess, to force you to have to wear one and then, again, start to level up your equipment from scratch. And if you can play during the week and do it, then that's great. If you can't, then you level it up while you play Splatfest. But yeah, why can't I keep that as a memento? Right. You know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's some sort of weird thing with the coding to have those randomly show up, or probably not, though. I mean, it's just it's a damn t-shirt. You know? Right. So, and it doesn't function any different than anything else. It's just visually different, so... Um, which, by the way, someone said this somewhere on the internet today, and I liked it. It'd be cool if the Shovel Knight amiibo would give you Shovel Knight armor as a Splatoon outfit. Oh, That'd be sweet. Yeah. That'd be cool. But Splatoon hasn't really involved non-Splatoon amiibo functionality, and I don't suspect that they will. So a third party, let alone, you know, definitely wouldn't do it, but that'd be cool. Yeah. That's the kind of functionality I'd like to see in, in, in terms of amiibo, those kind of things. But... Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah, so Splatfest is cool, Splatoon is great, been playing a lot of that. That's really the only console game I've been playing. Uh, I really wanted to play Earthbound because it's back August, and also because of the news that happened in, I think it was July. Uh, you know, it's been kind of a crazy time since that, and we'll get to that in a sec. But, um, uh, what was I saying now? Oh yeah, console. So, I've only been playing this really, and... I do have a PlayStation 3 now. I bought my uh, brother-in-law's. He was selling it, and so I bought it and a bunch of games for it. And uh, I'm excited to dive into some of those games, like Red Dead Redemption, and uh, what else did I pick up? Uh, Dead Island is one of them. Um, I bought The Last of Us from him, which I've already played, but I would possibly play it again, because I loved it so much. And then, like, Assassin's Creed. So what did you play it on before? Oh, his system. I just borrowed oh, okay. it at the time. So he he was on a work trip for like two weeks, and so I was like, hey, why are you not using it? How about I promise to beat this game in two weeks? And so that paid off, but um, yeah, so I have that, and I also have some games I borrowed from Plute that I really got to start playing, N64 carts, but uh, Splatoon and just life has been keeping me busy, so, but I should return them to him. Um, Handheld-wise, I've been playing Picross E6, which is awesome. That came out a couple weeks ago, and I'm so psyched that it did. I didn't even know it was going to happen. So that was nice, a nice treat, because I'm a huge, huge fan of Picross. I will eat up every single puzzle I can. Awesome. I mean, I don't know. I forget your experience. I mean, how often you've played or tried those puzzles, but... Uh, I played... There was one on the DS that I played. Yep, an actual cart. Yeah, and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Amy really liked it, yeah. and I think she bought... Like a Mario's Picross for her 3DS like yep. download or something like that. That was for the Super Nintendo, and it was okay. a uh, so she just you know got the emulation or whatever the uh, the eShop version. But and apparently there was a Super Mario's Picross. I didn't know that for the Super Nintendo. I got to hunt that down because that'd be fun. But yeah, so Picross is great. Of course, I've been playing a lot of that um, whenever I get downtime, like at night or something. But and uh, Pokemon Shuffle is still in my in my wheelhouse, but um, it's pretty is the, boring at this point. Is the timing getting to you still? No, the, no. The sort of timed nature of it? No, because I have no interest in playing it for long uh, periods of time anymore. <laughs> so, um, in fact, it's almost annoying how long it takes just to get through my five lives when I'm just like r- racking up coins or something. But now it's just a matter of, oh... 20 new Pokemon came out with this new update every three weeks or whatever. So I will S rank them, catch them, and then just wait and earn coins until I can do, the, do it again. So 
I've kind of lost my desire to catch them all in this sense. Um, but I do because it's busy work, I guess. And I can fit it in in like less than five minutes. I can use up all my lives and stuff. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's all I've been playing. You know, hopefully by the, the next episode I'll have more fun stuff to play. Um, by the next episode, you and I both are going to be Super Mario Makers. This is true. And I am so hyped for that still. That hasn't changed. <laughs> I've been, I've watched so many videos. I took notes on some Game Explained video of uh, the cool things that they said in there. And um, it's fun watching everyone's levels they've made because even though I've seen so much content, I know a lot of the content that's in the game. This is the kind of game where it doesn't matter because when I get to it, it's going to be completely different anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm so effing stoked. 9-11, uh, that's like two weeks from today. Yeah. So just two weeks from today, it'll be it'll be in my hands, and I'm so excited for it. I was, uh, actually, I was in um, kind of like a meeting slash training thing. I mean, I was paying attention, but uh, I definitely started doodling on the paper a little bit of like, hey, this would be a fun level. Let me uh, get that idea down, you know. Uh, I haven't done that since elementary school, so it's kind of cool. Awesome. And a uh, quick note, I am in the camp of not minding the nine-day wait period that they have for this. Have you heard about that? I heard something about it. I don't even know what the deal is. I know my semester begins like two days before this game comes out, so I'm probably not going to get to it for at least nine days. But what is the hubbub about this nine days? So all the different things you can unlock in the game and all the different things you can put in your levels are actually spread across nine unlockable periods. Or okay. maybe eight. You start with one and then you unlock eight times. But um, it takes nine days to unlock the content. But you can do it in about a couple hours if you... Or maybe even like one or... Well... Uh, yeah, you can probably do it in about an hour and a half if you just uh, play for five minutes each day and then just move the clock. Because you can do that too. It's not going to hold you too, too into the fire there, your feet to the fire. But um, you, you play for five minutes a day and at the next day you'll get a shipment of more content. So you'll get, you know, you'll start off with your basics that you can find in, like, the first level of the first Mario game. And then by the second or third day, you'll get Super Mario Bros. 3 stuff. And then you can start doing those levels. And then, you know, the next day you'll get, like, Chain Chomps. And, you know, so it just builds on itself. And it's similar to Splatoon fashion. But people are pissed that you can't just do everything right out the box. And my thoughts on that are, I mean, nine days isn't very long at all to wait for everything. And I think okay. it's good that people just don't rush into making crazy ass levels and flooding the um, the internet database with just these crazy ass levels. That um, I don't know. I mean, it's it doesn't really matter. Probably, I'm sure I'm I'm overthinking it, but I think it's fine to have a gradual evolution of the games and to and really, I, I would rather people tinker with lesser elements and get used to the whole thing and actually make more thought out levels than just putting a bunch of random shit in a level. Agree. And so I'm, I I don't care. And if if it really matters to you, then just play with the clock for a minute. You can even do it and then go back in time, and it won't erase it or change it, so you're good to go. So it's an inconvenience, I guess. But I think Nintendo's trying to pace it, just like they did with Splatoon, to get people to develop a skill over the nine days of really making things count. Yeah. So maybe I'm just being an apologist, but that's how I feel. That's okay. Um, no, I mean I. Look, I mean, it's not necessarily, like, the most important, you know, the idea of, like, making people wait for for the reasons that you said. To me, that's not like, oh, yeah, definitely. But I can 
understand it and it just is not it just does not seem like a big deal so Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm good yep i'm gonna be playing it i uh i should have again back to the amiibo thing i should have just waited for the u.s versions but i did pre-order the uh classic mario and the eight bit the other eight bit mario variant uh the modern colored um from overseas so i'll be getting both those because the amiibo addiction is still strong in this one <laughs> I'm not surprised because I'm not sure how they're going to release them here. If they're going to right now, the only way you can get one of them is through the Wii U Plus game plus Amiibo bundle. And I'm not going to drop 300 bones for an Amiibo, but I'm sure they'll release it other ways. It's just NA has NOA, I should say, has uh, not really been very forthcoming about their plans for stuff. They just kind of do it, and that's still they- a little uncomfortable for me. I'd rather just get it done, locked away, and then forget about it. Right. So I've had—I mean, I've paid a little bit more money in amiibos, but I've also had a lot less stressful of an experience collecting them. So I guess it's give and take, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's what I've been playing, and that's I guess a little bit of what I'm excited for. Uh, I guess we can kind of wrap up the show with one more thought. Um, we won't go into it too much because. I originally I wanted episode 83 to be all about this, and again with everything that hit, I just wasn't able to pull it off. And I actually have a huge script and plan for this, and maybe you know we'll get around to it later on. You and I already talked about this before the show, so people uh, out there, fans, you will probably see more about this at some point in the future. But um, we had some, you know, some of the biggest news to hit Nintendo in quite a long time. And unfortunately, it wasn't some new great game or uh, Amiibo suddenly going away for most people. Um, but it was about something going away, and it was obviously uh, Mr. Satori Iwata's death, his untimely death. And it was amazing how it hit the community because, I mean, I think I think a celebrity, I mean, we'll call him a celebrity in a sense, celebrity death does affect people around the world. And... Um, for Nintendo fans, of course, it's definitely going to hit home, but even for gamers in general, uh, I think it, it hit pretty strongly, and I think it had a great reaction, um, both in size, that way of great, but also great as in kind of a, a pleasant reaction, because there was so much outpouring of love towards Nintendo, towards Iwata, towards his family, towards Miyamoto, toward everybody connected to it, because they all knew what kind of a good man this was. Whether you, you like Nintendo or not, Mr. Iwata was doing a lot of great things for the company. He seemed like a very good person and a very good soul. And so we didn't just lose a president of a company. We lost, you know, a persona and a perspective. And, you know, in some weird ways, you know, very far removed, but almost a friend, you know. Um, he's the only real person in, in the gaming community that talked to the community like like he did with uh, Nintendo Directs and, and uh, Awada Asks and all this stuff. So... Um, it was a very somber moment, and thinking about it now actually makes me pretty sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I and I haven't thought about it since like my trip. You know, I mean, it was definitely hitting me for a couple weeks, and then again, as happens with life, things you know you move on. But uh, he'll always have an essence there, and um, you know, we still don't know what's happening with the future of the company as far as that that's concerned. Um, I'm, I mean, I guess at this point I'm a little more curious, but. Uh, I just hope that you know his his care and love of Nintendo and nurturing of it continues on. Right. And um, 
Yeah, I know. If you look at my Instagram feed, I mean, I, I posted a lot of things that people had did. And uh, Triforce Bond did a really great uh, Brawl in the Family style artwork uh, in response to it. And there was a lot of, again, outpouring of love and everything. And so um, for me, his death was somber, but it was actually joyous in the sense of, again, seeing how much love and, and happiness he had brought to people and all the, the memories, f- you know, flooding out into the Internet and um, even even in real life, just people talking about it. So, you know, rest in peace. Mr. Iwata, uh, you know, you, you are missed, you will be missed, and, um, you know, long live your legacy. Well said. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so maybe one day we'll hear my long <laughs> script. That was just the off-the-cuff version, but um, I'd like to explore a little bit about, you know, what made him who he was and uh, celebrate some of the games he had um, had his hand in. Because, um, again, one last thing. You know, he was not a president or a businessman first. He was a gamer and a developer. Right. And I always really appreciated that about him. So Yeah. Um, and I hope that, honestly, I hope that they could find another game gamer slash developer to take his place as opposed to some yeah. sort of, you know, corporate guy who just knows how to make money. Because yep. let that guy be the vice, you know. Yep. yep. Working totally a team like agree. that. So. But anyway, not to get too down, uh, I think maybe it's best that we just wrap this thing up. Uh, hmm? A little bit later than an hour, but not not as egregious as it has been in the past. This is not bad uh, for us. Not bad at all. No, although the sun has definitely gone away, so it feels a lot later all of a sudden. It feels like it's ten o'clock at night. True. But in fact, yeah, you're you're east of me, so this happened for you, you know, maybe a half hour sooner, uh, considering how far away we are. But because the Earth is not flat, folks. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. Do uh, you have any final thoughts there, Joe? I haven't asked you that in a while. Uh, you know my nickname. <laughs> no last comment, Joe. Yeah, whatever it was. See, you, yeah, all right. Well, this this <laughs> means we need to be recording regularly. So. Since we don't remember the nickname. Um, and I set you up to fail by, by saying final thoughts and not last comment. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I guess that wraps up another episode of the Negative World Podcast, folks. Um, you know, we definitely want you to comment on what you've heard uh, using negativeworld.org and just go find the thread associated with the episode. And definitely talk to Joe about, you know, your whole canvas or the, the rainbow curse um, yep. action. So uh, give me your feedback on that. Give me my feedback on why I should just play it anyway. And uh, and those ducks, I hear some, or geese, and it makes me think of duck hunt. And I'm looking, that. I'm looking forward to that amiibo. They're really close. Anyway. <laughs> um, I kind of want to hear like a gunshot and then hear the dog laugh. <laughs> anyway, so if you don't want to subscribe to Negative World, um, you can reach us on uh, Facebook, you know, searching for negativeworld.org. You can follow us on Twitter at negative underscore world. Um, you know, you can call up our hotline, which is any number in the phone book, and just talk about us to whoever's on yep. the other line. And you can do all sorts of things. Old school. Are we still school. giving out hints on uh, old games on that hotline? Uh. I hope you are, because I'm not. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so just, you know, we, we love the interaction with the fans and uh, and the listeners and the community. And hopefully next episode, too, we'll have a guest back and we can uh, incorporate that back into the show. I just really wanted us to talk and get get something out there to remind people we're still around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, I should call the show, Hey, We're Still Relevant. 
or something. Well, relevant might be generous. But... Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's still a lie. I don't we know. still exist. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, thank you everyone to, for listening, and uh, thank you Joe for putting up with me. Uh, thank you as always. More. And uh, until next time, catch you later. Bye bye.